The coach's film for Miami's Week 8 victory over the Patriots tells plenty of stories for the offense, but what about the running game and what the Dolphins can do to get things back on track on the ground? You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Tip of the cap to our everyday. So do keep it locked in on a daily basis because it is your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets by any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Week 8, we are putting it in the books and getting ready to go all the way in on Kansas City here uh, tomorrow on the show. But today, we got to do offensive and defensive storylines. Coming out of Week 8, had a chance to watch the coaches film between yesterday and last night kind of go over everything for Miami from an execution standpoint. And instead of going through like play-by-play, rep-by-rep, standout performances, what I wanted to do this week was kind of spotlight some storylines, some meaningful storylines that really stood out to me uh, as far as how this game played out and the trends for this Dolphins team as we reach the midway point of the season. Of course, they're week 10 by. You're going to play Kansas City in Germany. The team is officially there. They left last night. Storylines. What can this Dolphins team do offensively to get their rushing attack back on track beyond getting Devon Chan back and being healthy, right? Because that's the low-hanging fruit. But we'll we'll talk about all that. But in the last two weeks, uh, Miami has posted a team total of uh, 123 rushing yards as a team. That is the lowest total in consecutive games that a Mike McDaniel head coach Miami Dolphins squad has put on the field since last year's 125-yard stretch against San Francisco and Los Angeles in weeks 13 and 14 in early December when the team scored 34 points and had 28 first downs across those two games combined. Obviously, Miami finding a way to not only beat New England, but circumvent the struggles with the running game was really helpful. But the point of this being uh, the last two games for Miami from a rushing yards perspective have been lower output than the previous five games individually. They were humming on the ground and they are not. And there's a number of reasons why that is. But just looking at that stat regression for the Dolphins relative to seeing statistically, you can talk about how this is still the number one rushing offense in the NFL at 1,214 yards and 5.9 yards per carry and 16 rushing touchdowns. You know, they're they're 19th in attempts this season, but first in yards, first in yards per carry, first in touchdowns. All that's great. But the regression the last two weeks is certainly there for Miami. And some of that is you played the best defensive line in football in San Francisco or in, in Philadelphia, and you played a really gap sound defense in the new England Patriots. But in watching the film, um, 
I think one thing that stood out to me against the Patriots was the opportunities were there. This was not the game script got off track or Hassan Reddick gets way upfield and blows up a couple of your perimeter runs way too fast for your own good. There were opportunities to get on the corner, and you saw it late in the game when they had to execute. They pushed the right buttons. They called the right runs, and they had success on the ground. Obviously, that that clock-chewing, game-winning drive we pointed to on the Victory Monday podcast is, is a great example of when you had to have it, they found it. But this team was ripping off 145, 142, 162, 122, obviously 350 against Denver, like 45 and 78 the last two weeks. I think for Miami, uh, the execution on the edge felt like it was still there against New England, not necessarily against Philadelphia, and then you fell way behind uh, on the game script. But against New England, when you wanted to run outside, you had success compressing the corners, but there was different uh, prohibiting factors that prevented you from successfully finishing the run and getting the chunk gains. A lot more two and three yard runs. And some of this is because uh, the interior offensive line with the injuries that it's had. And we'll, we'll just talk from an execution standpoint against San Francisco and then we'll, or against New England, and then we'll expand that out. The interior offensive line against New England did not have the same success getting up onto the second level and overtaking the linebackers and safeties that were playing in the box. And as a result, those players are flowing over top of the guards so they can flow and get into the back hip of the running back when we're going to press outside. And they're going to fill in the hole and make a four-yard gain, not become a 20-yard gain. And really, you know, you think about Miami and the explosives that they've had offensively in the running game, it only takes one or two runs to turn the kind of performance that they had against New England into a 150 rushing yard type of performance. They just haven't had it. They couldn't win the edge against Philly, and they could not get up onto the second level against New England. Now, you look moving forward, I think there's some teams on the schedule where you feel like you'll find some relief. There are some teams upcoming on the schedule where you won't find some relief. So one of the biggest things that the Dolphins can, of course, do as they can get their guys back. So I want to talk about the guys who played versus the guys who would have played and contrast those performances uh, based off of what we know about all the players and what the tape told us from New England and talk about where the, the lumps were taken the hardest against New England. So that's going to come up next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Stick with us. I don't know about you, but uh, anytime the Dolphins are on, I, I certainly am up. I'm walking around. I'm anxious. I'm animated. All that works up an appetite, which is why I'm glad we have DoorDash in our corner to make sure that all of my favorite local restaurants are at my fingertips so I don't have to leave the house during game day to make sure if I want to get uh, the mole poblano from my favorite Mexican joint just down the street here. I can get it. If I want to get the wings from Green Turtle, I can get it. It's all right there. Try to sync it up with halftime so your food gets there. 
You can refill at halftime of a stressful game, like when the Dolphins are uh, leading the Patriots and then fumble to start the second half. But also DoorDash has uh, groceries at your disposal as well. So if you want to load up for the day and actually do it yourself, you want to make sure that you're having people over and you got all the right ingredients to do buffalo chicken dip, whatever it may be. So kick back a kickoff with unbeatable deals on everything you need to watch or tailgate. You can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Subject to change, terms do apply. Download the DoorDash app, use code LOCK23, get 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order. So it's pretty easy to boil down um, who played and who didn't and who should have played because the left guard, the center, and the right guard were not the players that they were supposed to be. And I didn't think Robert Hunt played his best football game when he was in for the first 20, 25 minutes of that football game either. I thought there were some instances where he got a little over-aggressive. I don't know if he was expecting to have more leverage and help on his inside, and he didn't get it. Uh, but Christian Barmore tagged him for a sack with a really good pass rush move. Uh, a couple instances where Rob himself was working up to the second level. Uh, he kind of overran the fit and allowed the, the linebacker to run back underneath of it and, and get into the ball carry on those horizontal runs. So it's not like Rob played his best game either. That said, Rob's execution across a half a season sample size this year is certainly more dynamic than what I think you got from Lester Cotton, who ended up settling in at the right guard spot once Rob went out. And there was a, a rotation between Cotton and Rob Jones earlier in the game at left guard. Lester did some nice things. I really think he did, but I, I thought some of his best work was in pass protection as compared to in the run game. You just see the physical limitation from a range perspective. Now, he's plenty big. He's plenty strong. He's plenty powerful. But Rob's explosive. Rob has dynamic hitting power. He's got TNT for hands. He can get out of the blocks and get up onto a linebacker with quickness. He can get attached on somebody, and we're going to stretch the point of attack and create horizontal displacement. I don't run you off the sideline. Lester doesn't have the same foot fire. He doesn't have the same pop in his hands. So when he hits his hands, he doesn't create the initial jolt that he can then transition and roll his weight and momentum through to sustain movement. He doesn't have the same foot speed. So when the point of attack is stretched out, you don't see him maintaining his base and really riding that guy down. He's kind of got his hands fit, but he's more along for the ride. So that becomes an easier block to be discarded. And you saw that in addition to we're going to run outside. Lester got to work up and get the Mike backer. The Mike backer is shaded on your inside shoulder. Well, by the time I get through the first line of defense and I'm working up to the second level, he's now on my outside shoulder and I can't fit the block and he's out of there and he's going to help make the tackle. So that from a personnel standpoint um, was the biggest difference between Robert Hunt and Lester Cotton. I think the same is generally felt uh, for Rob Jones. I, I think Rob Jones, from an athleticism standpoint, obviously he was a UDFA, didn't garner a lot of interest. He played tackle, but it was a heavy-footed tackle spot. Same kind of deal you know. versus Isaiah Wynn, who obviously were 
Not going to be counting our chickens on seeing any time in the near future. But Isaiah had the same athletic. He was a first-round pick with tackle athleticism versus a UDFA who's kicking inside the guard. Uh, it, it's apparent, and you're going to feel it unless the Dolphins can find ways to get athleticism back on the field on the interior offensive line because I think they, the biggest thing is all three of those spots, including Liam versus Connor Williams, they're downgrades in athleticism. And the athleticism of this offensive line, when you think about the flow, when you think about the misdirection, when you think about the full slide pass protection, when you think about being able to get up on the second level or work out in space and get on blocks in the screen game, it, it's all paramount that you can move and be a plus mover. And they've been trying to feel their way through it. I think this was a better uh, barometer than Philadelphia just because the changes happened so fast against Philadelphia. And it was the line that it was. That was not the unit for you to have a cataclysmic injury in the first possession of the game to, to, to throw your entire offensive line upside down. And like it or not, you know, when, when you've got a backup center and a backup tackle and now, then your backup left guard goes down, that's exactly what that did. So I'm sympathetic to the situation that that put them in New England. You had a week of prep and it's like, okay, now we have some proof of concept. These guys don't have the same burst dynamic ability range gravitational pull in space. And on the second level that may continue to negatively impact your ability to hit chunk runs on the perimeter. Unless you change how those runs hit. You've seen some peaks at it. Uh, Miami has done some things with some motions. Uh, you've seen them working different kinds of run actions in the backfield to try to test how can we best get leverage. All of that stuff are things that are a part of the fix. Uh, but from a injuries perspective, Connor Williams back, I think at least gives you, obviously we're assuming Rob Hunt's day-to-day. Mike McDaniel said that yesterday. If you can get Connor and Rob mildly healthy and on the football field, you can circumvent a player with limitations based on what your aiming points are, how you combo block up front, how you use motion to manipulate and move the second level and create the angles or hold that player. But when it's the whole trio inside, you're you're really dealing with your hands tied behind your back. So the fix is really going to come down to there's a personnel solution once those guys are back and you have one position, the left guard position, that you're dealing with a backup player. Or if you're going to have to continue, and bless you, you're going to play Chris Jones this week. If you're going to have to continue to play with this backup trio for any extended period of time, what does that mean and what does that look like? That's... uh. Not an enviable question to answer. I will say this for Liam Eikenberg, just to kind of finish. Obviously, we touched on the athleticism of both Lester Cotton and Rob Jones. Um, I thought Liam was sufficient in this game. I didn't think he had the one-hop snap that we saw the previous week. But nevertheless, you do feel like the timing of the offense is implicated a little bit because it's it was Connor and Tua all offseason working on a lot of this. And now Liam gets moved to this spot, kind of tested at it in OTAs. And then he gets thrust in here. 
And it's just not realistic to expect the precision of the offense, which you took all of last year's sweat equity. And, and then so, and this year's offense uh, off season to, to get that right. I don't think it's a matter of even we'll go sign a different center either because a different center is not in the system. It doesn't have the sweat equity either. So I don't think signing a different center would backup center would alleviate your concerns with the timing of the offense. Now, maybe some of the backfield action that's implicated by a snap that two has got to reach outside of his frame one way or another to dig out or make sure that he gets, yeah, that can affect your drop. That can affect your, your landmarks. Uh, But in the run game, I thought he actually used his hands fairly well this week. Uh, Balance is something that I I don't think we'll ever see Liam be a plus balance player. And he had his hands full with some heavy handed guys like Devon Godchow against new England. Um, But I, I thought his initial quickness did allow him to win angular blocks and get leverage up front uh, when given natural leverage based on the front and the direction of the run. Would I feel good about Lee Meikenberg going against Chris Jones next week? Absolutely not. Be a nightmare. But we have to be prepared for it because the Dolphins continue to string this thing out with Connor Williams, very clearly worried about his health long-term for late in the season, and I understand why, and they've won some football games without him. But this one, I don't know how well you're going to be able to get away with it because you're you're looking at a world of like what Jalen Carter gave you against Philadelphia and that same kind of impact and implication in both the run game and the pass game. Now, we'll, we'll talk fixes and, and opportunities for fixes here next on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So stick with us. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets by any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. If you have been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to get in on all the action because the app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, you name it. They have it. It's super easy to get in on the action at FanDuel. And Miami uh, in Week 9 against Kansas City uh, for that money line bet is looking at plus 124 money line against the Chiefs. It's a two and a half point spread. So lots of action for you uh, if you're interested in getting involved. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Solutions here. Again, we got two paths. We have get healthy path. And then we have the make adjustments path with go to war with the guys you got path, really. The get healthy path, I think, is pretty straightforward. And it is, you're going to have to see uh, Connor Williams back in action. That athleticism in itself, if you could change the combos, you can now work better leverage and guarantee somebody's going to be able to get up there, even if you have the two heavy-footed guys at guard. If you get Rob back, and Rob, we're not expecting to miss any serious amounts of time, and Connor back, I, I think all things are on the table for how you've run your running game in the past. And the good news is it feels like those guys are close. I don't know that you'll see all of them against Kansas City. But if you do, 
that'll be really helpful against Steve Spagnuolo's defense, which is one of the best defenses in the NFL. But getting healthy, I think, extends beyond just that interior group, too, because uh, we have not seen a lot of Alec Ingold the last two weeks. Alec Ingold's been dealing with a foot injury. Uh, he's played 37 snaps the last two weeks. Uh, just as a measuring stick, he played 28 snaps against Carolina alone. First couple weeks, he played 30, 38, 25 respectively, first three weeks of the season. 37 snaps, including 12 against Philadelphia, 25 against New England. Durham Smythe looked like he got banged up against the Pats. Played through it. Gave you some really gutty blocks. Julian Hill, ascending player. He's somebody who had a critical block down in the low red zone on the Raheem Mostert touchdown run. That, that dude's coming into his own. So if that means he's got to play a little bit more and bridge the gap for you, I'm cool with it. But getting Alec Ingold back to the version of Alec Ingold that we saw kicking butt and taking names early in the season, getting Connor Williams back, getting Rob Hunt back from his hamstring issue, all of these things, obviously it's low-hanging fruit, get healthy. But if you don't get healthy, what do you do differently? I think the emergence of one player uh, back into the fray is really critical here for Miami, and it's that Jeff Wilson addition. Because Jeff Wilson runs the ball a little differently. Now, they ran some outside stuff with Jeff Wilson, and you kind of saw the lack of burst and the lack of pop when I want to stick my foot in the ground and cut when I'm running outside and stretching out the front. His cuts to get north are a little bit more labored, and they take a little bit more time. But this dude runs hard downhill. And if you got big-bodied guys who have good, sufficient power and have sufficient mass, and they don't have the athleticism to really get out in space or get up on linebackers with running outside zone with consistency. Why don't we get downhill on some guys? And this might not be the best week to do that either because you have Chris Jones. You've got a, a really physical front with George Karloftis and Dana. And they, I mean, they, they got some dudes up front in the front seven for Kansas City. But if you want to have a healthy average, I think for Miami, getting more north quicker by design sets your angles up to sustain blocks better if you have to continue to play for an extended period without your personnel. And then you bide your time, and when they get back, then, okay, we kind of have an inside element to go with our outside element. Uh, and, and really stress teams in a bunch of different ways if we want to, based on where they're strong and where they're weak. So it might spur some growth for you long-term for what your running game looks like this year to be able to play matchups and schemes specifically uh, when you're playing late in December and early in January, and hopefully late in January. But that's it for me. Is if, if we're going to have to continue to run with Rob Jones and... Lester Cotton and Liam Eikenberg, I, I think it really behooves you to take that aggressiveness and run inside zone and run gap concepts and run trap and run lead and run power as compared to a lot of the outside, the crack tosses and the wide zones uh, that, that they're currently running. And if you can get that happening, the other thing you can do is if you want to continue to play that game, you're going to have to try to facilitate the defensive 
rules based off your motions and try to motion. Are they going to bump the backers over a gap and run away from the motion? So the backers are bumping a gap away from the direction that you're running. Uh, can you do same side motion? They've kind of done this kind of looks like it's going to be a slice action at the snap, but then they reset and they, they turn and pivot and come back to the same side and kick the defensive end with the tight ends. Uh, they, so they got some options, but I don't think it can be the same style as what it was when the style of your backups doesn't match the style of your starters. And that was apparent to me against New England. So that's getting this Dolphins rushing offense back on track. My two cents coming out of the New England game, uh, where Miami did rush for 78 yards. There were some kneel downs at the end of the game, but it was not what the standard has been thus far this season. And, And there's been some injuries that have impacted that. And putting all those pieces together and figuring out how much of this is just we have to get healthy and how much of this is we have to do things differently. It's going to be a little bit of both, at least for now. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Dolphins. I appreciate you guys checking out the show. I'm Kyle Krabs. I am out of here. Make it a great rest of your day. I'll be back to talk to you all again later, talking about the Dolphins' defense against New England as well.